listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah from Fifth Quarter and Dan from ACC Content 10. It's been a pretty productive week here in the ACC. Obviously, we had National Signing Day um, the last day or so. Obviously, yesterday was the main day there. Had some kids signing a little bit later as well. But um, obviously, we got some big news with the transfer portal and, and players coming back as well. Um, but how are you doing, Dan? Um, I'm doing great. Uh, I, here in New York, there was a ton of snow today, so I was snowed in. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm part of the belief that, you know, I'm not in love with the snow up here, but definitely want one snowstorm each winter. So we got that over with early. Hopefully it's not too bad. But um, I did get the privilege as a result of going on that ACC Network media call for the ACC championship. So I could um, definitely share some insight from that. Yeah, awesome. Of course, you know, we got the big championship game coming up on Saturday. So something to kind of keep an eye on. But um, obviously, let's touch on some just stuff that we've missed since we've last talked. Obviously, like we said, signing day was on, I guess, mainly yesterday. And, you know, we had a pretty solid class come out throughout the ACC. Obviously, Clemson finishing on top, as always. Um, credit to Miami. They signed just as many uh, five stars. So, Shout out to them there. Obviously, they came in with two five stars, so that's big for them. Um, but I mean, Dan, you want to give us a brief? You know, you're big into the recruiting realm of things. You know, what's your uh, what's your takeaway from this uh, recruiting rankings for the class of 2021? Yeah, so I don't get into recruiting too much until the off season when there's basically only that to do. But my impressions, yes, obviously Clemson on top. Um, Miami just got a big quarterback, four-star, um, goes by the name of J- Jake Garcia from Georgia, and he, he's phenomenal, top five pro style in the class. So that was huge for them. They just got him yesterday. Um, North Carolina, recruiting well just as usual. Pitt and Virginia, those were the surprises, both having top five ACC classes, top 30 overall. So that's good to see for both programs. Florida State declining. I mean, they did not get – I guess they did not get a single five-star recruit. I guess they did get five four-stars, so maybe it's just they didn't get as much quantity, but they did get fine quality. And then um, the rest of the list, NC State, Louisville, Boston College, Virginia Tech, they did not get a single four-star. They're definitely slacking on the recruiting trail. Uh, Georgia Tech with a step back in their class and then rounding out the list was Syracuse, Duke, and Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, definitely some ones that stood out to me. Again, I, didn't, I don't follow recruiting as much as most, you know, diehard fans do. I, I'm more about player development than anything else. But, I mean, seeing Virginia and Pitt ahead of Florida State, four or five, and obviously Florida State six, and that's, again, according to 24-7 sports. And, you know, again, I mean, some of the teams that I kind of thought I would see a little bit of an increase from with, you know, Georgia Tech finishing 11th. Again, they had a big class this past year, so it makes sense that they only had 17 commits. But um, Virginia Tech had a ton of commits, but again, um, finishing just, I mean, just on the edge of top 10 there. I mean, there's some there's some concerns with some of these classes, but again, I mean, Wake Forest <laughs> finishing at the bottom, but Coach Clawson's more about development than anything else. So I thought that was uh, something I've noticed well. But yeah, again, this is one of those things we'll see how this plans out, but Shocker, the top three are Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina. Not much of a surprise that, of course, we're not including Notre Dame in these rankings. But, um, you know, moving for 2021, of course, you know, we got some big news coming out of both Blacksburg and Pittsburgh. I say we go with the positive news first. Kenny Pickett's returning for the Panthers. That's huge. Uh, Dan, we obviously talked off the pod. You were a little bit, I guess the word would have been, more surprised than I was. Uh, I thought for sure he'd come back. This draft class is just loaded with quarterbacks. I mean, we're talking Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. I mean, it's a very pretty deep class of quarterbacks. I don't think any picket would have gotten drafted. He would have gone undrafted, in my opinion, maybe a late rounder. I think that's what you kind of saw him being. Um, but I think it's in his best interest to come back, so I give him credit there. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on Pickett coming back? The reason I was surprised was because the first three years he was kind of pedestrian, but then this 
final year in his career, he really took that step up. And I feel like his stock was at an all-time high. Now, you brought up a good point how this quarterback class is stacked. So maybe with that being said, even if he's not that different of an NFL prospect going out of next year, it would still be in his best interest in terms of getting becoming a day three draft pick by going out in 2022 rather than 2021. But as far as this goes for Pitt, I mean, that's, this is huge. I was ready. You know, they're losing a bunch of defensive prospects. Those, a bunch of them will be draft picks on um, their, in their defensive backfield and their defensive line. And they are, you know, their wide receiver, DJ Turner's gone. I mean, I was expecting them to take a pretty huge step back next year, especially considering they probably were one of the worst quarterback situations in the league. Well, now Kenny Pickett coming back, things are all different. I think their floor is probably another four and four ACC season. So that is huge for Pitt. And um, I mean, the ACC as a whole, I know Hooker's leaving and we'll talk about that, but the ACC as a whole has a pretty stacked quarterback group for next year. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, now speaking of quarterbacks as well, um, you know, Virginia Tech got word today, Hendon Hooker is entering the transfer portal. Um, I don't know, Dan, this, I, I could be wrong. And I mean, maybe you have a different take on or feel of this, but of my hokey friend, it just feels like everything going on in Blacksburg right now, like for a team that just beat Virginia, um, you know, getting the Commonwealth Cup back. It almost seems like they're those two fan bases that are in different directions of positivity when it comes to their programs. Virginia fans are excited for the future. They've got some key pieces returning um, that were seniors this year that are using the fact they get granted another year of eligibility, where Virginia Tech's kind of loading the transfer portal, losing some key pieces as well. Um, I mean, obviously, Quincy Patterson's already in the, the transfer portal. Um, Virginia Tech's bowl streak's coming to an end, which we'll talk about a little bit on those opt-outs we have in the ACC. But, I mean, Hendon Hooker leaving for Virginia, uh, leaving Virginia Tech. I mean, Braxton Burmeister, phenomenal quarterback. I think he can do a great job. I don't think Virginia Tech's in bad hands by any means. But the depth of that quarterback room, I mean, we were talking about a quarterback room, you know, coming into this year that was arguably the best in the conference. I mean, with Quincy Patterson, Braxton Burmeister, and Hendon Hooker. And now you've got just Braxton Burmeister, who, again, I think is a very talented quarterback. Obviously he beat Virginia this past weekend, but I really don't think he beat them. You know, he didn't beat them through the air. It was again, the run run game just opened it up all game for the Hokies. But I mean, what are your thoughts on hooker leaving? I know I'm definitely quite surprised by this. I hope it has nothing to do again with some of the medical stuff we've seen with him this year. It's been a little, um, I don't want to say suspect because that sounds bad, but just again, the, 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 being cold when it looks like he's having many seizures. I mean, scary stuff for Hendon Hooker this season. I mean, maybe just a change of scenery because of all the toughness he's had to deal with this year in adversity. But I mean, what are your thoughts on Hendon Hooker leaving Virginia Tech? I mean, it might be that. I also was thinking that based on the way Fuente is coaching the team, it seems like he's pushing Burmeister in the direction of becoming the future guy and the starting quarterback because I mean, supposedly Hooker was healthy last week and they just went with Braxton over him. So that was very surprising to me. I think of the two, Hooker is definitely their future. I mean, obviously not now because he transferred out, but um, yeah, they're they're not in the best quarterback situation with Burmeister. He's perfectly capable, perfectly fine starting quarterback, but you said the depth is not great. Um, They don't bring in a great recruiting class either. And I think what they're really going to want to do is attack the transfer portal for quarterbacks because they really need another guy in that room. Um, I mean, I'm very, I'm very surprised by it too, though, because, you know, I, it just, I don't know, maybe I should have seen it coming. It came a little bit out of nowhere. And um, I mean, maybe it was just the timing of it. Like right after the UVA game, maybe it was, I expected it to be a little bit later on in the off season, but um, I mean, I don't know, I guess we'll have to follow where his landing spots are because there might be a few power five job openings. I mean, Duke has one, but I think he goes to a high level group of five school just because of how the power five has 
so many guys that are coming back, whether they are just simply aren't seniors yet or they're a senior with another year of eligibility, there might not be a lot of options for them. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest cause of concern in Blacksburg is, again, just the lack of depth there is at the position now. Um, of course, again, Patrick Burmeister, solid piece. Hokies aren't in, you know, it's not like the Hokies lost all three of their major quarterbacks uh, in that room. So they're still going to be in good hands. It's just, man, it's just been, you know, it's, it's been weird. I mean, Virginia Tech's bowl streak's over. It's just, again, a lot of surprises for me coming from Blacksburg in the last 48 to 72 hours, but um, I don't know about you, Dan. I'm kind of ready to go into this preview. Um, obviously, we have two games in the ACC this weekend, so let's do a quick Wake Forest, Florida State. Don't need to really break it down. We've seen a lot with Wake Forest and Florida State this year. Wake Forest coming off a loss, Florida State coming off of a win. Uh, I don't actually have the spread in front of me, so if you give me two seconds to pull it up, Dan, for you. I will, but I mean, I'm definitely leaning Wake Forest to win this one for sure. I don't necessarily know if they cover. Let's see. We've got a spread of got Wake, Wake it's is what I've got. Yeah. Um, an over-under of 66. So I'll take Wake to cover that, and I'll say the over-under goes to Wake as well. I just don't think Florida State's got enough in this one. Sam Hartman is due for a rebound game this weekend against Louisville. So I expect the Deeks to come out here and win because as far as I'm aware, Wake Forest has made it pretty clear from their senior leadership that they want to play in a bowl game. So for them, this is a big deal. I mean, for Florida State, I don't know if they even want to play in a bowl game. If they win this, then they're probably going to a bowl game if they want to be in one. But, um, you know, I, I just think Wake Forest is too much for Florida State here. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think 6.5 is not a bad spread. Uh, I'm – I mean, I didn't make any official predictions in terms of like writing it down or anything on an article or even in my Twitter, but I'm going to go, I'll go with Florida state to cover wake to win. Um, I think we saw a little bit more from Florida state last week that has me to suggest that they're not, like I said, they're not a complete bottom feeder. I mean, obviously maybe the win over UNC had that say enough earlier on in the season, but I don't know. I think in terms of winning this game, Wake is definitely a much better offense. They could attack you in more, more ways. I mean, obviously the various passing threats they have with Hartman and they could attack you on the ground. Obviously they don't have Kenneth Walker, but still Christian Beal Smith is a fine enough piece. So I'm going to go with Wake in this game, but I definitely, I mean, in terms of these two games, I have a ton more to say about, the Clemson Notre Dame game. And obviously that's the main premise of our podcast. Yeah. So let's just move right into it. Obviously Clemson Notre Dame rematch in Charlotte this time around, you know, nine and one Clemson third ranked and second ranked and 10 and oh Notre Dame, Notre Dame, of course, winning the last matchup between these two teams, but you know, this is going to be probably the best game of the weekend. College game day is headed to Charlotte for this one. Clemson as a 10 and a half point spread as a favorite is a little interesting to me uh, over under at 60. If you want to buy tickets, Dan, it's only a thousand dollars and you got to buy four of them. So feel free to, you know, break the bank to make the trip to Charlotte this weekend if you're feeling a little dangerous, but um, yeah, I mean, this is a game where again, these two teams met earlier in the year uh, with a 47 to 40 double overtime victory going in favor of the fighting Irish Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, as well as some key defensive pieces, were out for Clemson. But um, let's just kind of dive right into some previews here. Uh, I don't know about you, Dan, but I kind of want to talk about how or why both teams can win. Um, break down, you know, Notre Dame's advantage on Clemson and then vice versa. Clemson's on Notre Dame. And then we'll obviously give our prediction here. And we are going to be joined by a good friend of mine, Hayden, who is fifth quarter CCU who follows college football more than anyone I know. Him and I pick every single game every single week against the spread and outright. And we, you know, he will break down this game as well, and we'll talk about playoff implications. So don't want to spend too much time on previewing this game. I think the conversation we'll have with Hayden will be way more enjoyable for our listeners as well. It's just overall more of what I want to personally talk about. But 
Um, let's go ahead and just jump right into this. Obviously, Clemson's a 10 and a half point favorite. I mean, do you feel like that's a little high, Dan? Because I do. In terms of the spread, I, I was very intrigued by it, too, because look at the first matchup. Uh, I believe the spread went out at, I think it was four and a half or five. And obviously, in that first game, Clemson did not have Trevor Lawrence. Clemson did not have their key defensive pieces. But I think if you put them back in, you put Lawrence and you put all the defensive pieces back in, which is going to be the case in this game, it accounts for probably more than five points. But Notre Dame is clearly respected much more than they were in the middle of the season. So that's fascinating to me. Um, I mean, I'll make my prediction, but later on, but I think this spread is somewhat appropriate. I, I don't have a big problem with it. Um, that's really what I have to say. Like, I think it could even be higher, but just given the fact that Notre Dame is a better team, that's why it's even as low as it is, where I think a lot of people are actually looking at it like, damn, 10 and a half, that's pretty high to me. Well, I mean, just look at the first matchup, then, you know, plug everything into the equation it kind of makes a little bit of sense to me yeah i mean that that's fair too obviously you got to take past spreads into consideration it's just not my uh favorite thing in the world to go about doing that but um yeah so obviously we'll make our predictions later so we won't go diving into that but um and if notre dame's to pull off the upset what does notre dame need to do who are going to be the key pieces to make Notre Dame win this game and, you know, why or what's going to be the reason that the Irish are able to do what they did again for a second time and beat Clemson and be probably the first team that I can think of in seven, eight years to beat Clemson on back-to-back attempts because even Alabama has not been able to do that. Yeah. I think the main thing is how they won the first game was in the trenches and especially on the offensive side. I mean, Mark Richt was talking about this a little bit earlier on the um, Zoom call. And, you know, that first run that Kyron Williams had, I mean, the defense, the defensive line just basically got annihilated on that play. And by the time, you know, the safety, the last man of defense was able to try to tackle Kyron Williams, he just had so much steam that it was impossible to get him. And, um I mean, that's the kind of things that's going to need to happen in this game. The offensive line is going to have to win up front. Um, Notre Dame offensive line is obviously very, very good among the best groups in the country. So I think that's possible. But more more speaking in general terms, I mean, their offense as a whole has really made this Notre Dame team different than their other Notre Dame teams. I think Ian Book obviously will have to ball out and – his receivers are great. So we haven't really seen see Ian Book take a day off, but we have seen him be somewhat pedestrian at times. We've also seen like the last game at Clemson, him really turn into a star and that's what's going to need to happen. And obviously, I mean, their defense is going to have to slow down Clemson. I think Dalen Hayes, obviously their, their star pass rusher, um, Jeremiah Usukaramoa, their, Star, their star linebacker and um, Kyle Hamilton at safety. Those will be the key pieces on the defensive side and it'll be more difficult. I'll talk a little bit more about Clemson in a little bit, but it'll be more difficult with Trevor Lawrence, not just because yes, DJU is a great passer, but Trevor Lawrence opens up the zone read run game where he could pull it or he could give it to ETN and that might open things up for ETN too. So Notre Dame's going to need to be very disciplined on defense and obviously winning the trenches on offense. Yeah, absolutely. I do agree. I mean, the trenches are huge. I mean, this is a Notre Dame offensive line that's been terrific all season long. Um, They don't uh, really let Ian or anyone really in the backfield get touched behind the line of scrimmage, so credit to them there. Obviously, the defensive line is phenomenal. They do a great job of doing the exact thing the offenses they try to prevent, obviously getting in the backfield uh, tackle for losses come from both sides of the line, which you can't really say that in most of college football. So that's a huge piece for Notre Dame. I think obviously this run defense is going to be huge. Clemson struggled. You mentioned it, you know, they need to get Travis Etienne going. He hasn't 
Hasn't been, I mean, again, he's been a solid back, but he hasn't been the Travis Etienne that we all hoped and kind of expected for this season, uh, as of late especially. And, you know, this is one of those things where in that game against, uh, you know, Clemson earlier in the year, Etienne caught eight passes for 57 yards and only ran for and only ran for 28 in a score. So, I mean, again, he wasn't a huge force. Um, Notre Dame also hasn't given up 100 yards on the ground. In six of their last seven, the only one they did was their last game against Syracuse, who ripped off 229. But I don't need, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to give them a free pass, but I'm just going to rule that as a very unfocused and uh, unmotivated kind of defense to start for Notre Dame. Plus, again, Rex Culpepper was not going to beat <laughs> Notre Dame in the air, so they they kind of committed to the run game pretty early and often. Plus, Notre Dame can win this game if they just grind it out. I mean. I can't believe I'm saying a team can outgrind Clemson in the ACC, but Notre Dame's definitely the team to do it. I mean, their past defense is phenomenal. And, you know, if you can get after Trevor Lawrence and just, you know, cause third downs and on the offensive side, third down and shorts with a Notre Dame offense, I think that's going to play huge in their favor and should give them a chance to win this game. Yeah. I mean, do you want to make our predictions now or do you want to wait for Hayden to come on to um, kind of debate that? Well, I want to hold off a little bit because I want to talk about, you know, why Clemson is favored and why Clemson should win. I mean, again, we talked about what Notre Dame needs to do to, to win this game. But, you know, I mean, the reasons why, you know, for example, I just think when you're when you talk about Clemson being a 10 and a half point favorite, as well as just thinking about Clemson in general, I mean, Clemson was obviously banged up. I personally, I think we both kind of agreed that I don't think Trevor Lawrence was the main reason because DJ Unga Ungalale. DJU, it's shorter, you know, was phenomenal. I mean, he struggled right out the gate, but second, third, fourth quarter, he played so well. Um, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence would have done much better. I know he would have been better. Probably wouldn't have been a slugger start out the gate, but I don't think that was the reason they lost. I think, you know, again, the defense was just so banged up. I mean, key pieces uh, like James, I can never say his last name right. Skaliski, Skaliski, right? <laughs> Skalski, I think is how it, it That's is. it. Yeah, that would make sense. Skalski, yeah, that, that would make sense. I'm over here trying to put too many eyes in there, but you know, he was out for that game, and there are some key pieces out throughout this entire you know Clemson defense. And not to give excuses, but that does play a huge role when you're going on the road in a, a stadium that was about 25% full with Notre Dame fans. You know, obviously a big game injuries, all that stuff, just the perfect storm. And again, Notre Dame is a great team. So that played a role, of course, into that as well. But I mean, Clemson's biggest thing from their matchup that they played previously this year was Notre Dame was 10 of 19 on third down. And I don't think Clemson's going to give up, you know, be under 50% on getting off the field on third down. That was just a very, you know, Again, I'm going to blame injuries a little bit on that one and just lack of, you know, leadership and experience. But Notre Dame did a great job of converting those third downs. We talked about, you know, I mentioned that Notre Dame needs to be in those third and shorts. Well, you know, if Clemson can keep them in third and long and get off the field, then I mean, if it comes down to, you know, another shootout, I think Clemson's going to win. I don't think Notre Dame wins a shootout again. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just don't see that happening. And, you know, protecting the football plus two turnover margin for Notre Dame last time they met. I don't think Clemson's going to be in the negatives again. So those are probably the key pieces of why I think, you know, you can expect them to be favored. Why you should think Clemson could win is because they'll improve on those drastic facts. And again, Clemson does not lose to the same team twice. So that's a big reason, too, why I do think that, you know, it makes sense to pick Clemson here. But, yeah, let's dive right into I mean, unless you have any other thoughts on why Clemson should win, I say we can dive right into our predictions. Yeah, I think, I mean, before I get into my, like, real prediction, I think I pr definitely agree with your points because, um, I mean, Red Venables, he's, when he could scheme an offense based off of, um, based off of past film, that is going to be critical. And, you know, he already played. Notre Dame, I think that goes as an advantage to Clemson's defense and all the blitz packages he could dial up. That was another thing we discussed on that call. Um, I mean, that that would be great for Clemson. And, um, I mean, there's a couple other factors I'll get to 
with either team, which I'll kind of discuss in my predictions. But no, we could get, I guess we could dive right into it right now. Yeah. So, I mean, again, Notre Dame's not beating Clemson twice. I, I mean, I, nothing bad. I can see it happening. I just don't feel comfortable with that. I just think Clemson's the better team. I think there's that revenge factor, you know, the good old Roy boss is going to be going, you know, when it comes to everything like that, Clemson's playing in Charlotte a place. They're very familiar with. It's probably their home away from home. Um, minus of course, you know, playing in death Valley. And I just think, again, it won't be a super large crowd. We're talking 7%. So about 5,000 seats split evenly. So, and whatever's on stuff, I bet you ends up in a Clemson fan's hands. So, I'll go 3,000 Clemson fans compared to 2,000 Notre Dame fans. Not the same as what was in South Bend uh, on that Saturday night in late, was it late October, early early November, November 7th is when it was. So um, I'm going to go Clemson here. I will not take Clemson to cover, though. I will say that Clemson wins 34 to 24. So, again, going with a – just that hook of 10 and a half is bailing me out here. Uh, I do think Clemson's the better team. I do think they win this one. And by handily, I mean by two scores, but I think anything could happen here. But I think the biggest thing is I just don't, I don't see Clemson being in a negative turnover margin and being so poor on third down defense. I think that's the factor that, again, this is a team that, Honestly, I thought it was going to beat Notre Dame at, late in that fourth quarter because they came storming back. And if that Clemson team shows up from the get-go, they should beat Notre Dame and never really be in too much doubt. Yeah. Um, you said 34-24. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I was actually – so in my article I wrote 42-31, but I'm not thinking it's going to be that high scoring. So I am having Clemson winning. I'm actually going to have 35-24. So basically the same as you, but I am going to have Clemson covering the spread. I mean, I think the consensus is that Notre Dame, they didn't win last game by a fluke. They definitely were the better team in that given period of time. And with that being said, I think you add Trevor Lawrence back and the talent gap might, I mean, the talent probably leans a little bit Clemson. I don't think it's large at all, but I think the thing that puts me over the top besides the points that I've mentioned previously about Clemson is that, um, you know, they have a tendency to come out strong and play their best football and make a statement when they absolutely need to. Um, I mean, I love to point to the ACC championship game last year where they absolutely, I mean, People were talking about, you know, this undefeated Clemson team. They're within one or two possessions to Virginia, a ranked team, and they don't deserve to be in the playoffs because they played nobody. Well, you know what they did? They came out and they put 60 on. So this Clemson team, again, you know, it's pretty much do or die. I mean, we'll talk about the given circumstances with Hayden about how potentially Clemson could lose and still squeak in, but – it's essentially do or die right now. Um, and I think that they are really going to come out and play their best football. And Trevor Lawrence is not going to end his college career with, I mean, obviously he played in orange Bowl with a loss and not making the playoffs, but I don't think he's going to end his college career, not playing in the playoffs. I, I can't see that happening. And um, I think Dabo in a must win game will definitely get his team to, you know, come in and make a good showing. Obviously, I don't think they're going to blow them out, though, because Notre Dame is just too good of a team, and if they meet for a third time, I'm not necessarily going to say the same thing. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Not to mention, you know, we're talking about a team that, you know, I I would like to think, Dan, and I I don't know. I mean, this is not an excuse for Notre Dame, of course, but I think Notre Dame is in regardless. We'll obviously be talking about this with Hayden, but just a little, you know, spoiler before we play, you know, take it back on the other side. We'll take a quick break just to get Hayden onto the call. But I'm starting to think that, you know, with everything going on, I just don't see how Notre Dame doesn't get in. I mean, unless Clemson beats them by like 50. But if the game goes out, we're kind of expecting in that 10, 14 point range there. 
I don't know how Notre Dame who has a win over Clemson, albeit some asterisks by it, but again, I don't think it should have that many asterisks. Um, I don't know how they don't sneak in, but um, yeah, with that being said, Dan, of course, we're going to bring Hayden on here in a minute. So let's grab him. We'll take a quick break and then we'll obviously discuss some different playoff opportunities, New Year's six as well. Obviously, like I said, Hayden is uh, runs fifth quarter CCU or Coastal Carolina for those that don't know. And of course with Coastal Carolina, they are a top, should be top 10 team. I believe they came in 12th in the last CFP rankings, but in the AP poll, they are ninth. And honestly, they should be in the top eight in my opinion. But again, that's just my personal opinion. So we'll talk him, talk to him about just different playoff scenarios, as well as of course, you know, different setups for the new year six. So, um, we'll be right back with that. Yes, so now we're joined by Hayden or fifth quarter CCU as we know. Hayden, appreciate you coming on. Of course, you're going to provide a little extra insight for us um, from the group of five perspective, but as well as someone a little bit outside of more of the ACC realm. I know you you follow ACC football a little bit being from North Carolina, but why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about who you are and I mean, just let us know how you're doing too. Gosh, man. Hey, thanks for having me guys. Uh, as Micah said, I'm Hayden Bannock. Um, I do attend college at Coastal Carolina University. Um, I am from North Carolina, so I do attend a whole lot of ACC football games. Um, been a student at Coastal since 2016, so excited to be here and talk about some things with you guys today. We appreciate you coming on, but we're going to go right into this. Obviously, you know, this is the last weekend in ACC football. We just previewing the ACC championship game, probably the biggest game of the weekend. Um, Coastal Louisiana is probably a close second for you down in Conway there, Hayden. But, um, you know, obviously we just want to talk about college football playoff rankings came out, got a lot of heat, you know, American Athletic Conference commissioner came out and said we need to go back to the BCS system. And I personally tweeted out a weighted system where 25% AP, 25% coaches, 25% CFP and 25% BCS. That way the eye test still exists as well as people that are in tune to the game or actually watching the game. No offense to some of our AP voters, but I mean, we saw <laughs> Coastal Carolina ranked behind BYU by a voter after Coastal BM. So, you know, that made a lot of sense. Um, but of course, you know, Hayden, your beautiful Chanticleers are getting no love. Group of five getting no love in general. ACC is actually getting a little bit more love than I thought with North Carolina and 15 and Miami hanging in the top 20 and NC State being ranked as well. But I mean, what were your thoughts when the rankings come out? What do you think the college football world should do? I mean, should we be getting rid of the CFP rankings or does, does the playoff need to just expand? I mean, what are your thoughts? I I personally would love, you know, the expansion, you know, not to eight. I would say, you know, give me six teams, you know, give me, you know, one and two, get a bye, three play six, you know, four plays five. Um, not necessarily the, the group, the uh, power five champions necessarily. Just give me the best five and then, then a group of five, you know, because, you could have two teams from one conference that are better. Like this year in the Big 12, you're going to have a conference champion with two losses. And ironically enough, both of those teams lost to a Sunbelt school. Okay. Tell me how Iowa State is, I believe, six. They lost to Louisiana, who's number 19, by 17 points. And a lot of people argue, well, it was week one. They had two kickoff returns. Okay. Louisiana also played week one. You know, take away two kickoff returns. Louisiana still wins, you know. Coastal goes to Louisiana, beats them on a walk-off field goal, and, you know, Coastal's chilling at, I believe, 11. And, you know, BYU did drop. You know, we beat BYU, and we pretty much switched places just about. But one voter did leave both teams the same spot he had them the week before. So I'm like, did he just, you know, completely miss that game? Um, there should be some accountability held into that, you know. I mean, you, you can't <laughs> – you can't have a team beat a team and then just leave them both at the same spot, you know, and not, not advance the winner. Um, what was, what's ironic, you know, is they kept Florida at seven. They kept Florida at seven. So it's a better matchup, you know, on paper for Alabama being one, you know, one versus seven. However, you know, Miami did lose to UNC. I mean, got absolutely throttled, but Miami lost to a rank opponent at home. Florida loses to a three and five opponent. Also at home, Florida drops one spot. Miami dropped eight spots or eight or 10, something like that. I mean, how do you punish a team for losing to a ranked opponent? Granted, they did get throttled, but 
but how do you only move a team that lost to an unranked three and five team only back one spot? I mean, it, it's not justifiable. That's pretty much all I got for that. Um, would I love to see Colts in the playoff? Absolutely. Um, is it going to happen? Absolutely not. Um, could Cincinnati get it, get it? You know, we'll talk about that when we get into the uh, scenarios, but I'll let you get to the next question. Yeah, no, I think it's – and, Dan, I'll get your thoughts here on the rankings as well. I, I think that, yeah, I agree with you, Hayden. It's, it's an accountability factor. I mean, it's it, – they're not even trying to hide it anymore when it comes to just bias in general. I mean, obviously, it's a Power 5 podcast. And, you know, but even then, the ACC's always had an issue. You mentioned it. Miami drops eight spots, you know, after throttled by North Carolina. But, I mean, we're talking about a Florida team that – Beat Georgia when they weren't really clicking. Um, they lost to AM. They lost pretty badly to LSU. Not badly. They lost in a bad way to LSU. I mean, just the accountability factor. Uh, you mentioned the Iowa State thing. I've seen Iowa State in person three times this season. I saw them play Kansas. I saw them play Iowa State, or Iowa State, excuse me, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. And I can tell you right now, actually, I saw them four times. I saw them play TCU as well. I can tell you right now that Iowa State team, though, has improved since the early parts of the year where I saw them struggle with TCU. Um, and obviously, you know, they rolled Kansas, but and they lost to Oklahoma State. But I don't see how Iowa State top six team for sure. So I agree with you there. But, Danny, what are your thoughts on the, on the rankings and, and how they kind of you know, are playing out in front of our eyes? I mean, every single year I attempt to make sense of what the committee does, and they just – they pull out different reasons to move different teams in different ways. It just, it just makes no sense to me. And it, it's clear that there's a bias and I mean, either the system needs to be refined or like in a big way, or there just needs to be a complete different system because think of it this way. I mean, if Florida only moved down a, what one spot for that loss to LSU, then shouldn't, you know, let's say Clemson loses to Notre Dame. Shouldn't they still be in the playoffs that, that, that factor makes no sense to me. Um, I mean, my one through four, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, that's fine by me. Texas A&M at five, okay, they have one loss um, to Alabama. But, I mean, Iowa State at six, that makes no sense to me. I I honestly, like, don't understand why Cincinnati just all of a sudden – what, didn't they move out of the top ten in the commercial break? Isn't that what happened? Yeah, I mean, that's what it felt like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, they, that's actually what happened. But um, either way, Cincinnati had basically no position to make the playoffs unless a lot of things happen their way. And I don't understand because, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of two-loss teams. And I understand if you want to put a one-loss power conference team, especially if they lost to a playoff team. But in terms of Cincinnati, I mean, I think – Obviously, I, if certain things happen, like Ohio State and Clemson both win, I'm not saying that Cincinnati should get in over any of those teams. But let's say – I think they should be six behind Texas A&M. I don't think that Iowa State um, deserves to be ahead of them. And that, that's my biggest concern. I could go down the line, but that's my biggest concern because that's ultimately, ultimately what's going to decide the four teams and just the inconsistency of the logic of the playoff committee, I think – that's the consensus is what really bothers me the most. And I love, I love taking shots at the PAC 12. I think all of us kind of do because it's, you know, by far the, I don't want to say worst power five, but definitely worst ran power five. But I mean, tell me why five and O USC is 13, but five and O Ohio state is fourth. Well, so yeah, that's what so like, if you put, well, I just can't wait for USC to beat Oregon. And then, you know, Coastal beat Louisiana and somehow, and somehow, you know, USC will, will jump Coastal. But another point, you know, you mentioned about Cincinnati, Dan, uh, like, you know, the commercial break. How, you know, one of their excuses was that Cincinnati didn't play against Tulsa, and that's why they dropped behind Georgia. Okay, well, Ohio State didn't play against Michigan. Why didn't Ohio State drop behind Texas A&M? Why does Ohio State stay the same? Why does Cincinnati get punished for not playing, but other teams don't? And another thing, when you guys talk about, you know, the system – Here's what they do in the FCS, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the HBCU, HBCU universities have an option of playing in the Celebration Bowl or going to the FCS playoffs, okay? Why don't you give something like that 
in the group of five, you know, have a two game playoff, you know, and you can have teams select to either risk a chance at a new year six or, you know, a, or a really good bowl game, or they can decline that like coastal could decline that and partake in a group of five playoff with say Louisiana, Tulsa, you know, insert, you know, the next, you know, the next best group of five team, you know? Yeah, it's, it's unexplainable. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, Hayden, when you say when USC beats Oregon this weekend, which, by the way, they'd be beating the fourth-best team in the Pac-12 because the second-best team is sitting on their couch in Colorado and the third-best team couldn't play because of COVID. So you're now beating the fourth-best team. But they're going to go, oh, we forgot to rank USC higher now that they're an undefeated Power 5 team. Like I generally think that USC has a better chance of making the playoff um, with all the crazy scenarios and Cincinnati does, even if Cincinnati beats Tulsa by 70, which is <laughs> terrible. I mean, just absolutely terrible. Cause if you want to punish Cincinnati, you know, for not playing in a couple of weeks, so they were well rested. Well, USC's had to play six football games, <laughs> right? So, yeah. There's definitely a, a broken system here, but fortunately we're not on the committee, but let's play a fun little game. I know we all both, everyone, every one of us loves to do a little bit of a, what if kind of scenario. So I have a couple different scenarios for you just so we can break this down in the best way possible. So let's say that early in the day, actually, I believe that's the night game now, but oh, well, we'll just pretend like it's earlier in the day. 14th ranked Northwestern beats a fourth ranked Ohio State team by a touchdown, not a big block by any means. Iowa State then goes on to beat Oklahoma for the second time this season. And they do it in, again, a very close fashion. And Notre Dame beats Clemson. And Notre Dame beats Clemson by seven or ten. I mean, who gets in? Let's play the game, too. We're Texas A&M. Obviously, they play Tennessee this weekend. Um, let's just say that Texas A&M wins. They don't cover, though. It's a 14-point spread. So it's not a, you know, promising loss by any means. And Florida gets rolled by Alabama, which I think is going to happen. So what plays out there? That means seventh loss to one. Six did win, five did win as well. Obviously, third-ranked Clemson has now lost and fallen to nine and two with both their losses coming to Notre Dame. Uh, and Ohio State, of course, has lost, and they are five and one. So, Dan, I'll let you go first. Who are the four teams in? And maybe if you want to give me one through six in this scenario, just so we know the last two out. All right, so no, how much did you say Notre Dame beats Clemson by? By a touchdown. And Alabama rules Florida. So obviously Alabama would be the one and Notre Dame would be the two. Um, I think the three would clearly be Texas A&M. In terms of the four, I mean, if – I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with Clemson. I'm just going to be optimistic here. I think – I mean, they, they would have the same losses as Iowa State and the, and the losses would not be nearly as bad. I mean, they would be both losses to playoff teams. Kind of wish Clemson would play North Carolina this year, though, because that would be another signature win for them. Um, they did get a nice win over Miami, so there's that, but not too many big wins for Clemson. Either way, I still would have them at four. Um, and then my last two out would be Iowa State. And, I mean, I want to say Cincinnati, but I'm sure they're going to plug somebody else in there. And all of these, just you guys are aware, is on the consensus of Cincinnati beating Tulsa. I didn't forget to say that game, but – um, if we were playing New Year's Six game for Hayden Chanticleers, then obviously we would, we would factor in them also winning, which I just a little shocker upset pick. If we're going to do a little pick them for all the thing, I think Tulsa does indeed actually win that game against Cincinnati. So for your sake, Hayden, I hope you enjoy Atlanta because I think it's where the Chanticleers are going to be headed. But Hayden, what are, you, what are your thoughts based on the scenario that I provided? So based on that scenario – um, I believe Texas A&M, like Dan said, will go to three. And the reason being is because it'll be Texas A&M against Notre Dame. You don't want Texas A&M playing Alabama right off the bat because I believe Alabama won by 28 first time they met. Um, and it probably, and Notre Dame more than likely will beat them. Um, however, I don't think Clemson gets to four spot. I, God, I hate to say it, but I think Iowa State does. I think they'll be the first two-loss team to do it. Um, I think Clemson will be five. And I think the reason Iowa State gets in is because Clemson will have lost to a team in the playoffs twice. Granted, Clemson would get stuck with Alabama first round. Again, don't think they would win. Alabama would probably beat them before they could get to Notre Dame if Notre Dame was to beat, you know, Texas A&M. But I, I, I think that it would be 
uh, Bama one, Notre Dame two, uh, A&M three, Iowa State four, Clemson five, Cincinnati six. However, with those scenarios playing in the factor now, if Clemson is out of the playoff, Ohio State is out of the playoff. That, I mean, if one of them, if one of those happens, more, more so likely the Ohio State game. Because with – and this refers back to Coastal. And say Coastal does win, those scenarios happen. Ohio State getting jumped out of the playoff then puts Ohio State, instead of in the playoff, in the Fiesta Bowl, I would want to say, or in a group, in a power or a New Year's Six Bowl game. That pretty much eliminates the shot of two group of five teams getting in the playoff. Uh, I was talking to a Coastal fan earlier, and I said, you know, the worst thing for us to happen is Northwestern winning. I mean, that, that honestly does destroy our chances. I think we could absolutely roll Louisiana, and with those snares coming to the factory, then you have Clemson. Going to a Orange Bowl, you got, you know, Ohio State going to group of five, or oh Lord, New Year's Six Bowl game. So just completely eliminates Coastal shot at New Year's Six. Yeah, I agree. So I'm actually with Dan, though, here, Hayden. I just think that when it comes to the committee, what is their favorite word? Two, was it two letter? Yeah, two letter, or not two letter. Two words that they love to say more than anything in the world. Quality loss. So I'm going to give Clemson the nod at this at that four spot just because when you compare Iowa State to Clemson in terms of quality losses, we're talking two to Notre Dame, one without your starter. Iowa State was a little banged up against Louisiana, but that shouldn't matter. You lost to Louisiana, and that's not disrespect to Louisiana. That's a top 25 team, but that's not a top two team. And then, obviously, we're talking about an Iowa State team that lost to Oklahoma State. Again, another top 25 team, but not a top, you know, two team. So I think that should benefit Clemson. It could hurt them, though. I kind of agree with you in a sense because they might want to have – they don't want to have two ACC and two SEC in the same. I would kind of kill off the whole we're not biased thing. Um, East Coast bias, I should say. But on the flip side, too, I mean, they could look at Clemson and say, you can't beat Notre Dame. So what makes what makes us think you should go play Alabama? Or at least with Iowa State, you just don't know. I mean, every one of us knows kind of what should happen in that one. But again, Brees Hall is an incredible running back. So, you know, Iowa State might get some love and they're, they're on fire right now. So if they beat OU, I think that's where that plays in. So let's move on to the second scenario. Not much changes in this scenario. The only change is OU beats Iowa State. So it's still Northwestern beating Ohio State. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Um, but Oklahoma beats Iowa State. And then, of course, you know, A&M beats Tennessee, which I, was, I thought about doing a scenario where Tennessee beats Texas A&M. But, I mean, I just don't see that happening. I mean, maybe I'm crazy. I would love to see this would be really fun, a 2020 moment, kind of like the last weekend of the regular season in what was 2007, if I remember correctly, where, you know, Pitt beat West Virginia and then, you know, just every one number one team kept going down. But, I mean, hey, I'll let you leave this one off with OU beating Iowa State. Does your six change much? Uh, yeah, I think my six still stays with, um, you know, Cincinnati. Um, however, you know, obviously Iowa State will be out of the six. Um, the only thing is though, I think that if the game is close, if Oklahoma, I mean, just barely beats Iowa state, I don't think that's enough to jump them from 10. To, I believe they're 10. I don't think that's enough to move them six spots up. Then I think Clemson does get the four and, you know, and the, you know, yeah, you have the two sec two ACC, but more than likely you're going to have uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, not Clemson, uh, Alabama, Notre Dame for the championship. Um, again, a close matchup in any means between Oklahoma, Iowa state does ruin a shot for a coastal because one of them will go to the possible playoffs. But if you have two, I mean, if it's a close game, I mean, more than likely you're going to have one team go to the cotton bowl and another one to another, you know, new year six. So again, eliminates the shot of two, a uh, group of five teams getting in new year six, um, but, yeah, my one, two, and three stay the same in that scenario. Clemson comes in the four. Um, five, oh, Lord, it, it might be Cincinnati just as a, look, you were almost there. We're not biased towards the group of five. You know, we can give you the five spot. You're just there. And then six would probably be Oklahoma, you know, if Oklahoma does win that game. Yeah, I'm going to keep my 
one through six exactly the same, just replace Iowa State with Oklahoma because I, uh, I yeah because Oklahoma would beat Iowa State. So Alabama, Notre Dame, um, Ohio State, Clemson, Iowa State, and then or I'm sorry, Oklahoma, and then um, I guess insert whoever you want at six, whether it be um, or I'm sorry. Wait, you said Northwestern beats Ohio State in this scenario, right? Right. All right, so I'll, I'll repeat. Let me redo that. Alabama, Notre Dame, uh, Texas A&M, Clemson, and then the five would be Oklahoma and insert the six. Probably not Cincinnati, but I'm just going to be optimistic and say what they would deserve to be. Cincinnati would definitely deserve to be in the top six. So, you know – I don't know if I'm crazy to think that, especially if you're an AC, like if you're a Clemson fan, of course, you, it's, you know, win and you're in kind of thing. But if Clemson loses, I would definitely want to cheer for Iowa State, personally. I think OU has a better chance of making the playoff than Iowa State. Now, I don't think I, – I think Hayden hit the nail on the head. Unless OU rolls Iowa State, I don't think they get into that four spot. But – you're talking national brand. We're talking about an Oklahoma team. You know, the Iowa State excuse is always, well, the week one loss to Louisiana shouldn't count. Well, OU's losses were week two and three for them. Since then, they have been a pretty solid football team. They honestly have looked like a top five, ten for sure, five team. So I would still go Alabama one, Notre Dame two, A&M three, um, four, I'm going to go Clemson, but I don't feel as comfortable about it, if I'm being honest. Five would be OU, and I would say six would be, unfortunately, I think it'll be Georgia just because you know how it works, but I would love Cincinnati to be there. But last scenario with Northwestern beating Ohio State, because this one makes it the most fun for sure. Northwestern beats Ohio State, OU beats Iowa State, but then Clemson beats Notre Dame. I mean, do you guys think Notre Dame's still in? So, hey, no, let you go first. All right, appreciate it, man. Um, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, okay. What I believe is more than likely, I mean, unless Clemson just absolutely demolishes Notre Dame, you know, if it's, I mean, I would honestly say 14 points or less, maybe 17, you know, get a late field goal. So I would probably say 70 points or less. Clemson will, it'll be Alabama one, Clemson two. Um, what was it? A and Ohio State's losing, right? So then it would be A and M three, and Notre Dame four. You know, you, that way you get Notre Dame and Alabama round one, and Clemson, Texas A and M. You get the Jimbo Fisher against Clemson, which that game actually happened last year, if I'm not mistaken, and it was a one point game, or was that two years ago? When, when was that? You know, anyone remember? I think that was two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. I, I remember it was a really good game. I, was, I think it was Jimbo's first year there. Um, in that scenario, I think that's my top four. Um, number five would have to be – you said Iowa State wins or Oklahoma wins? Oklahoma wins. Oklahoma wins. Uh, maybe Cincinnati five, Oklahoma six. Uh, maybe Georgia six. I mean, I don't know if Oklahoma – I don't know if they'll jump Georgia. But then again, the committee loves the thing of, you know, oh, you didn't play, you know, you're going to drop. So maybe maybe that plays in the factor, but that's my top. I think Clemson, you know, for sure, obviously for sure gets in, but I think Notre Dame also gets in as well. That way the teams are one and one. It's a, basically a best two out of three at that point, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna completely agree with that. Um, I mean, the only point I'll add to that is I think you alluded to it. Like they're gonna even if Notre Dame deserves to be the three and Clemson deserves to be the two, they're not gonna match them up because if they want to match them up for a third time, it will be in the championship game and i'm perfectly fine with that um i mean i'm more concerned about getting the right four teams and the order comes secondary but um i mean yeah that's my that'll be my four that'll be my six as well yeah i think they're gonna do i, I think i think you guys are hitting the nail on the head there for that one for sure i say we do one really fun one since i and more i look at it just the more fun it is i think this is the most chaotic situation you can get Ohio State beats Northwestern on a walk-off field goal. Alabama beats Florida by a field goal. 
Notre Dame. Actually, the biggest chaos scenario actually would be this. Florida beats Alabama. Notre Dame. Sorry, Clemson beats Notre Dame. Eh, eh. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Ohio State barely beats Northwestern. Iowa State rolls Oklahoma. A&M loses to Tennessee. And Cincinnati and Coastal both win their ranked matchups in their conference group of five championship games by like three touchdowns or more. Who's your top six? Ooh, remind me to bring a pen next time and write all this down. Good Lord, that was a lot. Um, I'll repeat it again. Alabama loses to Florida. <laughs> Clemson loses to Notre Dame. So Notre Dame beats Clemson. So Clemson will okay. be the team now. Ohio State beats Northwestern by, by a field goal. Like it's very close. We've got Texas A&M losing to Tennessee. We've got Iowa State rolling Oklahoma. And you've got you know, Florida, of course, now moving up because they were in the two-loss team as well. And Coastal and Cincinnati end up rolling in their match. I mean, I'm talking Coastal wins 42-21 and Cincinnati wins 49-28. All right, I think I got it. I think I got it now. I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to say Alabama uh, – not Alabama. I'm going to go Notre Dame 1. Uh, number 2 will be Ohio State. Um, number 3, I'm going to s- – now you've got two lost Florida, two lost Iowa State. Florida has a loss to a team that, of course, under 500. Iowa State has that loss to, of course, Louisiana, which is not a bad loss. But, you know, as you, if Coastal rolls them, they could potentially fall at least out of the top 20. Um, you know, so Florida's going to get a two-loss win. Iowa State's going to have a two-loss win. A&M will now be a two-loss team. Clemson will now be a two-loss team. You've obviously got two lost Georgia there. You've got Oklahoma who will fall. You've got six and one Indiana and 11 and 0, or then 12 and 0 Coastal. USC is six and 0 as well. And, um, you know, of course, we're talking about a, um, you know, nine and 0 Cincinnati team. Yeah, I got, still got Notre Dame at one. I want to say Ohio State at two. Three and four. Uh, man, I would give it a toss up. I would. Honestly, think that Iowa State at three, and f- I hate to say it, I think Florida at four in that scenario, and then Bama five, Clemson six, and I just think that it, man, I think that scenario just honestly, that's what I think it would be. That's not what I think how it should be. That is completely what I think should be would be uh, Notre Dame one, Ohio State two. Cincinnati three, and then insert you know Clemson, Florida, Ohio, or Iowa State for that four spot. You know, um, however, I just I just don't see Cincinnati getting in, unfortunately. And that I think, however, I think that is the best scenario for Cincinnati to get. In. Even though I don't think I had Cincinnati in the top six in that scenario, I still think that is the best one for them to uh, to get in. Yeah, I think. Obviously, Notre Dame would be the one. I don't think that there could be any circumstance that happens this week for Alabama to not get in. Uh, I think a two. I think any of those two lost power teams, power conference teams, would get in over Cincinnati just based on the way the playoffs is set now. Now, obviously, there's absolutely no consistency whatsoever, so maybe that's not the case. But if there are two lost power conference teams ahead of Cincinnati now, why won't there be two lost? power conference teams ahead of Cincinnati in the future. So I agree that scenario will basically just illustrate how, you know, there's absolutely no chance for a group of five to get in. And that's why I think that group of five should basically just have their own playoffs and um, just, just so we could maybe declare a power five national champion and a group of five national champion, because I mean, it's kind of unfair that they, I mean, at least in a year like 2020 that they, they shouldn't get a chance. I, I'm maybe that UCF year, a couple years ago, maybe there were better teams, but I think in a year like this, if all that happens, Cincinnati should get in, but won't get in. Yeah. I mean, I would be perfectly content <laughs> with in this scenario, the top four being Notre Dame one, Ohio state two, USC three, and then flip a coin Cincinnati coastal four. 
Um, I think Coastal is more deserving than Cincinnati. Personally, Cincinnati has rolled more teams, but Clemson has – or Clemson, excuse me, Coastal has played more teams. Um, obviously, that would not happen. But that was what I would prefer, if anything, to be honest with you. I think the games on the field shouldn't matter. But I think in that scenario, Dan, I think you nailed it. I don't think anyone's out. So I would go one, um, Notre Dame, two, Ohio State, three, Alabama, and then – I don't think Florida should be able to get in. I think Clemson has the best shot in that scenario, to be honest with you. So I'm actually going to keep Clemson at four because I think, I mean, again, it's going to have the best quality losses of all the two loss teams. And there's no, and no one left that's not, I mean, besides, you know, Cincinnati, but I just don't see them putting a, a group of five team in. I'd put Cincinnati at five and I'd put Florida at six, but. That's how I, I think AM would fall out of the top six if they lose, you know, Tennessee. But um, that's my scenarios. We, we could do this for hours. I do want to get, though, everyone's final playoff prediction. Um, who's the top? I, I don't know if top 10 would be more fun, but who's your top six? Hayden, you can go first. Top six. Um, what I think is going to happen. Um, what I think is going to happen is I think Alabama is going to have a field day. Um, they can do whatever they want. Um, for the purposes of my Shauna clears, I have Notre Dame being Clemson because I think that actually will help us because then it'll kick North Carolina out of the Orange Bowl. It'll put Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Um, opens up a spot in a New Year's Six. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame winning. Give me, you know, Alabama one, Notre Dame two. Um, I believe the three spot will then go to Ohio State. And I think AM should have their way with Tennessee. Um, I think Iowa State and Oklahoma is going to be a close game, which will not help out either one of their cases. And I think AM will then get the four spot and probably Clemson at five. And then I have Oklahoma winning. So I, I would have Oklahoma at six, um, probably followed by, I would probably say, Georgia, Cincinnati, Florida. And then the, I would be the loser of the Oklahoma-Iowa State game. So I think, I think it's going to be very boring what happens. I think um, Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame by a score or two. So Alabama won, Clemson two. Ohio State wins against Northwestern by any amount. doesn't matter. They're three. And um, Notre Dame, the loser, would be four. And um, I think Texas A&M beats Tennessee. And I think um, – I mean, I'll have Oklahoma beating Iowa State, so they would get in at six. It doesn't really matter that much, except for uh, New Year's Six Bowl purposes. But um, that's that's my six. I think I love the hypothetical scenarios, and all those are possible. But in actuality, I think it'll just be that, and um, that the six will not change much at all. Yeah, I mean, so I have – Alabama beating Florida. I don't think I, I think Kyle Trask and, and you know and Kyle Pitts will do enough for Florida to actually be relevant. Pitts did not play against LSU. Um, it kind of sounded like he was a little banged up, so they just said, "Hey, we're going to rest you," and they probably shouldn't have because they probably would have beat LSU with him in the lineup. He's just that good of a target for Kyle Trask. But anyways, Alabama wins, so they will lock in the one. Uh, I do have Clemson beating Notre Dame. So I think Clemson moves to two. Um, call me crazy. I think Northwestern's got a shot, but I'm going to go with Ohio State to win there. So that, of course, put Ohio State in at, of course, three. And then we'll have Notre Dame at four. Um, I do think, though, that Tennessee will, at bare minimum, play Texas A&M very, very close. So I think if Clemson does lose in a close one, there's still a very good chance they get in. Um, I don't think Florida's going to compete with Alabama. I agree with you there, Hayden. I think Alabama's going to roll in that one. Um, of course, on the flip side, too, Georgia should move up further. And I think Cincinnati-Tulsa will be a good game. I do think OU beats Iowa State, so that'll you know open up some room as well. But I just think that, yeah, I think like you, you, you said, Dan, it's going to be kind of boring. I think the games will be pretty close. I mean, I think the game I'm most looking forward to, minus Clemson-Notre Dame, of course, is, you know, Hayden Chanticleers in Louisiana because that does have a big New Year's Six push for it. 
Um, I think, too, if Coastal wins back-to-back -back against Louisiana, it was the only 12-0 team in college football, so the only team that actually got to a full 12-game slate, obviously, were, you know, they got to 11 regular season games, but it was that one. That's close enough. You know, they have, you know, the best record in college football, technically, that I would like to think they would move into the top 10, but, you know, Hayden hit the nail on the head. Wouldn't be sure USC jumps them for beating Oregon. So, plays out um Hayden you obviously said Notre Dame beats Clemson so you gave us our prediction do you have a score prediction for that game for that game <laughs> for that game I'm gonna say it's I would probably say maybe Notre Dame 35 Clemson 31 all right so that's Hayden's prediction Hayden thank you for hopping on Dan as always it just means a little bit less we appreciate everybody listening can't wait to watch some good football this weekend. Obviously, we've got basketball going on as well. Um, and basketball news, of course, probably the biggest news of the day in the ACC was Virginia losing the Nova game the other night in terms of getting canceled due to COVID re restrictions and everything like that, issues within the program. They're just now return returning to, um, you know. But they did pick up a game next week uh, against uh, number one Gonzaga. So for everyone that's saying Virginia was trying to dodge uh, Villanova, they didn't do a very good job because they picked up – the number one team in the country. But um, with that being said, we'll obviously recap the championship weekends. And Hayden, we'll definitely bring you on again sometime. We appreciate you joining us. And for everyone listening, please stay safe, wear a mask, be careful, protect yourselves. Remember, it's the holiday season. You know, live your life, but at the same time, be careful. And as always, just means a little bit less and go ACC.